The story of Jesus turning water into wine has always troubled me. The story troubles me because it's only found in John, not the other Gospels. It troubles me because Episcopalians can get so excited about wine in the Bible that they miss the point of the story. It troubles me because Jesus is simply trying to enjoy himself at a wedding and his mother won't leave him alone. It troubles me because Jesus doesn't seem to want to perform the miracle. It troubles me because it features a miracle and miracles sometimes obscure the mystery. It troubles me because changing water into wine doesn't seem significant enough to reveal the identity of Christ. The truth is that many biblical stories trouble me, but that doesn't mean I stop reading the Bible. Being troubled by a story simply means there's more to learn, more to explore, more old interpretations to release, more new insights to receive. It's good to be troubled by the Bible. So I'd like to take a look at this famous story again and find the hidden layers that only reveal themselves with time and patience. I'd like to consider what John might be telling us about Jesus and Mary, about faith and transformation, about spirit and body, about life and death. When we take our time with this story, it becomes a tool for living, not just proof that God likes a good Cabernet. Today's story is situated at the beginning of John's gospel. So far in John, we've encountered the prologue about the word made flesh. We've heard the testimony of John the Baptist about Jesus. We've watched Jesus choose his disciples. Boom, and now it's time for the wedding story, turning water into wine. But the story doesn't begin with Jesus. It begins with Jesus' mother. Mary is the protagonist. John doesn't refer to her as Mary, but as the mother of Jesus. For John, her role is more significant than her personal identity. It's as if she represents the new Eve, the one who will actually listen to God in the garden. The mother of Jesus is only mentioned twice in John's gospel, once at the wedding and once at the foot of the cross. Mary is present with her son at the beginning and at the end. She ushers him in and she ushers him out. She is the constant one, the faithful one, the first and best disciple. But as soon as today's story begins, a crisis emerges. The wine at the wedding runs out. Now, don't think of this as a college party where someone just needs to make a beer run. Think of it as a feast with too many guests and not enough provisions. In a culture where hospitality is paramount, running out of wine is not just a disappointment, it is a sign of lack and a source of shame. Mary understands what's happening to the host family, and she says to Jesus, they have no wine. While the statement seems like a simple observation, Jesus knows exactly what she means. Woman, and that's not a disrespectful term, it's just putting her in the bigger context than a particular person. Woman, he says, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. Ah, Jesus, but it has. Anyone who says that Jesus doesn't learn and grow in the Gospels isn't paying attention. Mary, the God-bearer, 
who is able to discern the movement of the Holy Spirit before it's apparent to others, ignores Jesus' response and says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mary knows that the power of God is about to be revealed and she facilitates that revelation. Perceiving the inbreaking spirit of God, Jesus responds in faith. I like to think that Jesus is no longer annoyed by his mother, but filled with wonder and awe. He has watched her facilitate moments of grace before, and she's doing it again. Pointing to several huge empty stone jars, Jesus says, fill the jars with water, and the servants do so right to the brim. Jesus continues, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. We don't know when the moment of transformation occurred. Is it as soon as the water is poured into the jars? Is it when the liquid is drawn from the jar? Is it the moment it touches the chief steward's lips? We have no idea the moment of transformation is mystery. It reminds me of some of the silly debates about communion. When do the bread and wine become the body of Christ? During the prayers of the people? During the prayer of consecration? During the distribution of elements? As it's being consumed? We don't know, and it doesn't matter. All we know is that Christ is really present in the sacrament of communion, and we don't need to know when or how. So when the chief steward took a taste of the water that had become wine, he was astounded. It was the best wine of the night, and he congratulated the bridegroom on his extravagant generosity, saving the best wine for last. Not only was the host family spared from shame, they were elevated to a place of honor. That's what grace does. John ends the story with this line, Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Critical moment. He's just called them. They don't know who he is. And the next story, his disciples believe in him. This is a critical bridge. This is why this story is included in the season of Epiphany. Epiphany means to show forth, to be revealed. There are a series of stories in the Gospels, and particularly in John, that reveal the identity of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. John wants to make sure you're paying attention. Last week it was divine affirmation, that is baptism. This week it was turning water into wine. And come each week in Epiphany and listen for the sign that points to Jesus and says, this is the one. That's what Epiphany is about, so that we can then be transformed. We can then go into the world and say, Jesus Christ is the one. When I began today, I said this story could be an affirmation of mystery, not just a miracle to behold. And I said this story could be a tool for living, not just a relic of an ancient time. And so how might this story be useful for us in our living today? One helpful way to approach the Bible is to ask yourself, who am I in this story? Which character do I identify with right now in my life? Is it the empty jar waiting to be used? Is it the bridegroom fearing disaster one moment and praising God the next? Is it Mary perceiving the movement of the Holy Spirit before anybody else does? Is it Jesus capable of transformation but reluctant to act? Is it the water 
a sign of purity, spirituality, and the eternal, or is it the wine, a symbol of blood, mortality, and death? Do you see how this story has depth if only we're willing to enter into it? I was thinking for myself, and I think right now I might identify with the servant, the one who bears the evidence of God's power and transformation and doesn't even know it. Which character do you identify with in today's story? What step could you take to advance the transformation of God? Do you believe that the love of God is still living and active? Do you believe that the glory of God is still being revealed? Do we see ourselves as connected to the epiphany of Christ or are we too tired, too discouraged, too lonely to see beyond our wounded sphere? Like the psalmist, I suggest we look up. Look up from our work. Look up from our phones. Look up from our fears. Look up. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Look up. I bet the characters in today's Bible story were just as preoccupied with life as you and me. The bride worried about her new married life. Servants rushed to fill a cup. The disciples were busy dancing. And Mary pondered all these things in her heart. We never know when God's grace will break in. We never know when the glory of God will be revealed. That's why it's a good idea to practice, to practice watching, to keep our lamps lit, to be attentive to the presence of God in our midst. That's why as people of faith, we read our Bibles daily, remembering the ways that God has been revealed in ages past. We come to church weekly, to be strengthened and encouraged for the work of transformation. We serve others monthly, not only to help them, but to help ourselves because we know that when we reach out to others in love, we are slowly healed of the sins of selfishness and indifference. We practice our faith so that when God breaks in, we see it. Friends, we are training for the epiphany. We are waiting for the light of God. We are trusting our God-given capacity for spiritual sight, and we're calling out the image of God in one another. And like Mary saying to Jesus, oh yes, it's time. I see it in the adults cooking for Austin Street Center. I see it in the children collecting groceries for North Dallas Shared Ministries. I perceive it in the Bible studies that meet on this campus and the small groups that meet in private homes. We are training for the epiphany so that when God's light appears, it doesn't surprise us one bit. Today's story, I'm sorry to tell you, is not ultimately about wine. It's not even about a miracle. Today's story is about God breaking into the normal stuff of life for even the mundane shower sparks at times. We train together in the spiritual life so we won't miss the burning bush when it appears at our feet. Happy Epiphany. Amen.